I don't know about you, it is that day for me. Uh, it is the day after Shark Week, and, and so uh, um, I'm not entirely sure what to do with myself. I, I love Shark Week. I love watching it with my kids, and so once Shark Week's over, I kind of get in this little bit of a haze and not sure where, where to go or what to do next. Uh, but I was thinking about that uh, this morning, actually, and realized, honestly, in many ways, for the last several weeks, uh, to be honest, uh, I think that's been the case for a lot of people. We've had a lot of people, you may know, you may not know, uh, but we have had and continue to have a lot of people uh, in our fellowship walking through some really challenging things, walking through some really difficult things. And that's been going on for a period of time now. And uh, as, as part of our calling, part of our commitment to make disciples, to be disciples, to make disciples, to help people know how to live like Jesus in this world, how to walk with Him and, and function like Him, part of that means learning how to, 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 to live like Jesus in the midst of adversity and difficulty and challenge and pain. And, and, uh, and because the Lord loves us in the midst of all those things, He's there in the midst of all those things. And so I want to talk about that just a little bit this morning. Um, and we're going to talk from Psalm 23. And so I'd like to just go ahead and get right at it if we can. So if you're willing and able, would you stand with me, please, in honor of the Word of God? And we're going to read together Psalm 23. It's this week's Psalm lesson. We read it earlier. We're going to read it again. If you're with me here in the Center for New Life, I'll read the plain text. If you'll join me in reading the highlighted portions, if you're worshiping with us virtually, over our YouTube channel or an alternative location. Just read the text as it pops up there on the screen. We'll walk through it together in that way. Uh, Psalm chapter 23, uh, beginning at verse 1. This is what the Bible says. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Well, for an awful lot of people, this is undoubtedly uh, one of the most beloved, most well-known of all the Psalms in the Bible. As we've read already, it begins with those famous words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Different translations render it slightly differently. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in need. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I lack. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. And I think after an opening like that, with an opening like that, you can pretty well count on whatever follows to be pretty stinking good as well. I mean, it, it begins by saying, hey, the Lord is my shepherd. The God who made the heavens and earth, uh, the creator God of all things, has taken a place in my life to watch over me and protect me and provide for me, to take me into his fold to make me his very own. And so with that beginning, with that, with that opening, you might expect smooth sailing from there on out. But as you keep reading through the psalm, it's not very long before you find yourself face to face with weary souls, a, a, a valley of death, evil and enemies all around. 
And, and pretty quickly you come to understand that at least part of the point of this psalm is that yes, God cares for and provides for and protects His people, but He often does that in the midst of all kinds of adversity. This psalm reveals something of the goodness and the care of God, but it's important that you understand much of that goodness and much of that care comes to you in the face of challenges and trials, hardships and difficulties. And a careful look, even at Psalm 23, reveals a lot of trials and difficulties. Now, as we've already mentioned, the psalm begins beautifully. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And, and, and while that is a powerful and a beautiful image, beautifully depicted in all kinds of paintings down through the ages, the plain truth of the matter is this. The precondition for a restored soul is a soul that needs restoring. I'm going to say it again. The precondition for a restored soul is a soul that needs restoring. It's a soul that needs help. It's a soul that needs attention. It's a soul that's been wearied or chewed up. A soul that's been drained or beaten down. In other words, Psalm 23 does not promise you a life of trouble-free ease but rather it promises you in this present world of trouble the help and the presence of God. Whether you like it or not, times are simply going to come when your soul gets beaten down and wearied. Don't be surprised by that. You're living, you're living in, a, in a broken, fallen world, but when it happens, rest assured, God has not abandoned you. Your shepherd is still near at hand. And if you will press into him, if you'll press in in prayer, if you'll press in with your Bible, if you'll press in in thanksgiving, if you'll press in in the, in, in the communion, in the community of, of saints, the fellowship of the people of God, he promises he will meet you there. He'll hold you close, stroke your hair, dress your wounds, and restore your soul. He will give you in that place with Him strength and courage to carry on. God will restore your soul, but you have to let Him do that. You have to cooperate in the process. In my own life, I've told you before, that, that tends to happen for me, that tends to work for me when I make a point to take the time to get quiet and alone with God. I've told you before, I often do that in my car, not, not because it's comfortable, but because it's quiet. And sometimes I'll just sit there quietly. I'll ask the Holy Spirit to come. I'll ask Him to rise up inside me. I'll ask Him to surround me. I'll tell Him how much I need Him. I'll ask Him to speak, and then I'll just sit there in silence. Sometimes I'll start to pray. I'll share what's on my heart. I'll confess to the Lord what I'm feeling. I'll tell Him I'm scared. I'll tell Him I'm hurt. I'll tell Him I'm angry. I'll tell Him I'm confused. Sometimes I'll tell Him I'm sad. 
This past week, I had several conversations and several communications from a number of people. Painful communications. People in painful, hard, difficult situations. People who are scared. People who are hurting. People who are super lonely and sad. That's actually a, a quote from a text I got this week related to someone in our fellowship. Walking through something, and part of the description, this person you see, they're, they're, just, they're super lonely and sad. And I had to go and sit in my car and tell the Lord, Lord, I am hurting for these people. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get incredibly overwhelmed with my own weaknesses and failings. All, all the things that I am not. All the things I'm not good at, all the things that aren't working, the things I look at and I don't even know what to do. And I, get, I had to have a sit down with God about that this week. And I had to say, Lord, you know, I, am, I feel defeated. I am so overwhelmed by my inadequacy. So sometimes I sit and I talk and I pray and I tell the Lord what I'm feeling. And somewhere in there, if I remember, I hope I, I also I, I praise Him. I thank Him for who He is because in thanking Him for who He is and what He's done and praising Him for who He is and how He is, I remember that. Sometimes I just sit quietly. Sometimes I, I pray and I share my heart. Sometimes when it's hard even to pray, I just meditate on Scripture. I'll walk through Psalm 23. I'll walk through Psalm 1 or Psalm 34 or part of Philippians 4 or part of Romans 8. And I'll, and I'll, I'll read the Word of God and, and I'll, let, uh, I'll meditate on it. Sometimes I'll pray it back, but I'll let the written Word of God do its healing work in my soul. But my point is, the Lord wants to restore your soul. But you have to let Him do that. You have to cooperate in that process, and that's usually going to require of you some time alone with Him. And those, those green pastures and those quiet waters can happen in your car or in your bedroom or in your office or in a whole host of other places. They don't, you don't have to be in actual pastures. You don't have to be beside actual ponds. You may not have access to a quiet meadow, but you do have access to the presence of God. And I want to stop here and ask you a couple of questions, and I'm going to be completely honest. I know this may sound like a Geritol commercial, but let me just ask. Do you find yourself feeling really tired all the time? Sluggish and, and, and weary? You wake up tired, you go to bed tired, you're tired in between? Do you... Do, do you frequently lack motivation to get up and go about your day? Do you find yourself often short-tempered, ill-tempered, snapping at people? Do you find yourself complaining a lot or criticizing people and things a lot? Because if you do, very likely your soul needs restoration. Either that or you're going through puberty. More likely than not, your soul needs restoration. And, uh, and, and I need to um, be clear, there is a marked difference between uh, soul restoration and time at the beach or time in the mountains. We live in a time, we live in a culture, we live in a, in a place 
where, where very often now when, when people's souls get out of whack, when, when they start hurting and, and getting out of whack, we, our first thought is, I need a, I need a massage. I need a pedicure. I, I, need, I need a vacation. And, and, but the, and those, those, those things are bad. I don't have any problem with any of those things. But that way of thinking is fundamentally escapist. And, and, and to be perfectly, painfully honest, I believe that way of thinking is the conceit of a spoiled middle-class population. If, um, if God's answer to a weary, beaten-down soul is a trip to Barbados then God doesn't have an answer for very many people. Because most people can't afford that. I talk to people all the time who come back from vacation telling me they need a vacation to recover from their vacation. What they really need is time in the presence of God. You don't need time at a luxury resort. Nothing wrong with that. But what you need is time in the presence of God. To let Him change your thinking, to let Him change your perspective, to let Him heal your heart and restore your soul. And let me add one more thing, and I really hope you hear this because I honest, honestly believe it comes straight from the Lord. Chances are, if you're in a place, or when you're in a place, because we all get to these places, when you're in a place where your soul needs restoring, when you're in those places, chances are good, you're probably blaming the wrong things. You blame your job, you blame your spouse, maybe you blame the church. Those things haven't been what you hoped they would be. Uh, they haven't been what you thought they would be. They're not doing what you think they ought to be doing. They're not doing what you think you need them to be doing. Americans in particular are really bad about this. And sadly, Christian Americans are right there in the thick of it. When our souls get weary or beaten down, we start looking around for someone to blame. To give us an excuse to look for something easier. To give us an excuse to go out looking for something to make us feel better. Folks who do that, you know, they blame their wives so they can leave their marriage and find something easier. They blame their boss so they can quit their job and find something easier. They blame the church or the pastor so they can leave the church and look for something different. We have become a culture of consumers who treat absolutely everything in our lives as if it is a disposable commodity, including too often relationships. So when those relationships turn hard, when they hurt or when they disappoint, we turn them back in and look for new ones. Ironically, we tend to call that moving on to greener pastures. But can I assure you that behavior has nothing whatsoever in common with anything you'll find in Psalm 23. The promise of Psalm 23 isn't a life without hurt or offense or disappointment or pain. Remember, the psalm presupposes souls that need restoring, the valley of the shadow of death, very real evil that tempts you to fear, and the very real presence of very real enemies. Listen, to blame the source of the hurt or frustration, listen, 
To blame the source of the hurt or frustration is to completely miss the message of Psalm 23. Because the message of Psalm 23 is to point you to the Lord your shepherd. It's to point you to the Lord who restores your soul. To point you to the Lord who accompanies you in hard times. It's to point you to the Lord who provides for you even in the presence of your enemies. To spend a lot of time blaming the source of the pain is to miss the message of Psalm 23. God wants to make you an overcomer so you can help others overcome. Sometimes the source of the pain and the frustration is material. Sickness, disease, loss, loss of a loved one, loss of a friend, loss of a job. In times like that, you need to press the Lord to remember that the Lord is your shepherd. He's right there with you, and He's the one who provides for you. Sometimes the source of the hurt or the pain is personal. It's a person. Someone who hurts you or, or, or fails you or disappoints you. And in that case, you need to press into the Lord and know that He's the Lord who restores your soul. He's the Lord who heals you. And you need to press into the gospel. And remember, you, you need to forgive and to love. See, the truth is, serious weariness or ache of soul almost always results from two things working together. First, it usually begins with the unavoidable hardships that come from life in a broken world. But second, real serious soul ache usually really takes hold deeply as a result of our failure to respond to the hardship biblically. Our failure to respond to it with the grace of God and the power of the Spirit. Basically, it works like this. The, the moment something painful, some painful adversity comes to you, in that moment, you are a victim of that thing, that person, that situation, whatever. You're a victim. Right when that happens, you, bam, it, it comes. But right on the heels of the pain or the offense or the adversity, God in His grace and mercy sends His grace to you. He sends you His Spirit. He sends you His Word to begin the process of restoring your soul, to call you to Him to see your soul restored, to show you how to forgive, to show you how to change your thinking. And it's when we fail to respond to the pain biblically that it begins to really take hold and cause serious problems for our soul. There is absolutely nothing you can do to keep pain and hardship from coming your way. But Psalm 23 shows you the path to keep pain and hardship from wiping you out. You can't stop it from coming to you. But the Lord will empower you to stop it from wiping you out. And that path the Psalm 23 path is the path of focusing on the Lord, of believing He really is your shepherd, of holding on to the eternal hope laid out for you in the gospel. It's the deep conviction that right now, God really is right here with you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, even in the valley of the shadow of death. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, even in the face of genuine evil. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, in the very presence of my enemies. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He restores my soul. He guides my paths. He provides for my needs. He anoints my head. He pursues me with His goodness and love. 
even in the valley of the shadow of death, even in the presence of my enemies. When life is hard and disappointing, the Lord, your shepherd, is right there with you. Your job is to remember that. My job is to remember that. That's the message of Psalm 23. Our job is to remember that, to believe that, to stand on that, to live in that, and to tell one another that every chance we get to remind each other of this reality, to remind each other of this truth. As an action point for this message, if you check out my uh, outline online, part of the action point is this. I, I would encourage you every day this week, take some time every day this week, and read and pray through Psalm 23. Just read through it and pray through it. and Let the Lord minister to you through the words of Psalm 23 this week. The last thing I'll say as I close is this. If you're listening to me, here or wherever right now, and your soul is weary and beaten up. I mean, you know, your soul is ragged. I want to beg you to do two things. First and most importantly, I beg you to get along with the Lord, to make time to get along with the Lord and let Him begin to restore your soul. And then number two, I want to ask you, please, share your burden with one of us. Call someone in this church and let them know what's going on. Call somebody in this church and let them walk through it with you. Let them help you shoulder that burden. Let them remind you about your shepherd and let them walk with you through it to the other side. Let's pray. Father, as always, we thank you for the power and the clarity of your word. Your, your, your word which shows us who you are, your, your Word, which shows us what you're like. Your Word, which shows us how to live in this world of brokenness. Lord, it's a world of staggering beauty and joy and, and, and love and a world of staggering pain and disappointment. And, 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 and in the midst of it all, your desire and your promise, if we'll let you, is to be with us, guiding us, restoring us, supplying us with what we need laying out your table before us in the very presence of our enemies, pursuing us moment by moment, chasing us down with your goodness and love, even in the midst of hard things. Lord, stir in us to believe and trust you. Grow us up, disciple us to walk through this world like Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.